power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Just close your eyes, we know, thank God for your life. Indeed, the Lord is your helper. We need you, Lord. We need you, 
for this gathering because it's unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. For your word says wherever two or three are gathered in your name you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit we ask that you shall take absolute control. As I'm about to speak your word may I not speak of my own accord and may I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God I take authority in the realm of the spirit and I declare a supernatural injunction any activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place in the hearts and the minds of the people of God, sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father this morning. To glory, Father, to glory, Son, to glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord. Oh, if your hands are not borrowed, I believe you can do it better. And if you don't have ulcers in your palm, I believe you can do it better unto the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you are excited to be in church on a Sunday morning like this? Hallelujah. There's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than to be in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And you will not live here the same. Tell somebody you will not live here the same. Tell another person you will not live here the same. Hallelujah. Anytime you come into God's presence, something is added to you. You may not see it immediately, but something is added to you. Hallelujah. Yeah. People are giving Coca-Cola testimonies. Somebody asked me some time ago, like 
It's a man of God. So what is your weakness? And I told the person, cook. And he looked very stunned. And I was shocked that he looked stunned. Not knowing he had the cook. You know the short form of cocaine to his cook. He was like, is it cook, cook, or cook? I said, please, don't put me in some category that I don't belong to. It is the Coca-Cola. <laughs> some of us, half of our blood is Coca-Cola. <laughs> People are having Coca-Cola urine, but some of us, is the blood itself. That is Coca-Cola. If Coca-Cola could kill, I would have died nine times already by now. Yeah, so everybody. <laughs> if you come to my... The, the fridge in the, my, the, my office at the church. Pastor Ennis always ensures that there's a lot of coke in there. I'm like, you are not helping me. You are not helping me. Hallelujah. We thank God. Alright. So how many of you are ready for the word? Okay. So, <laughs> so as I advertised it, <laughs> as I advertised it, it's a two-part serial. Alright. And uh, yeah, ladies first, everything ladies first. So today we'll start with the temptations of the woman. The temptations of the woman. <laughs> so I tried to look up the meaning of the word temptation. It is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise and i was like hey unwise too is there you know i thought temptation was just to do something wrong it means the devil can tempt you to do something that is unwise as well all right aha uh-huh. some of you when they say temptation all you think about is sexual temptation the fact that for you that is the only thing you are tempted by <laughs> doesn't mean that's the only kind of temptation there is hallelujah at a point in time in the bible Something as simple as numbering people. Satan pushed somebody to do that and it got him into trouble. That was a very unwise thing to do. Hallelujah. At that particular point in time. Amen. So some of the things you've done in the past which were not wise, it's possible it was the devil who tempted you to do it. And you know, this series actually was born out of another a, a sermon I was going to preach. All right, and I decided to just expand it. The aim of the sermon is not, I'm, I'm going to show you certain things that are common to men and common to women, as in the tendency is there for them to do those things. It is not an excuse for you to say, Okay, that is how I am. I'm a female, so it is supposed to be so. I'm a male, so this is how it's supposed to be. Hallelujah the whole that is how I am kind of thing a lot of people are caved and trapped in this whole that is how I am syndrome and they don't want to change amen the original sermon I was going to preach is entitled that is how I am Mm, and I expanded it (laughs) too so the things I'm going to say this is not an excuse I'm, I'm laying this foundation very very strongly hallelujah if I mention something and you have been doing that and you go home and your husband said, I see, sir, huh? this is what pastor you say, huh? that is how women are. <laughs> so I'm, I'm laying this foundation now for you to know that 
the things I'm going to say, there are things you need to work on. Hallelujah. There are things you need to work on. You, you, you will be a better version of you if you're able to work on the things that I'm going to point out, whether you are male or female. Amen. So this week, as it is, ladies first, we'll start with the temptations of the woman and then next week we'll go to the temptations of the man. The things that tempt men are different from the things that tempt women. There are some common grounds. No two ways about it. But generally, the things that tempt men are different from the things that tempt women. I was telling you the other day that if three ladies are standing there and a man who is scantily dressed wearing boxes or something comes to pass 90 something percent of the time the reaction will be ah is this guy crazy ah then what about is there something wrong with him if it is guys even if they are christian they'll start speaking to them lord help me lord help me lord help me <laughs> what the woman finds disgusting the man it is a temptation to the man hallelujah the way the devil tempts men is different from the way he tempts women. And I can give you two, two clear examples in the Bible where the devil himself went and tempted people. In one case, it was a woman. In another case, it was a man. I'm talking about the temptation of Eve and the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. The angle he took with Eve was completely different. He hit on some very sensitive things. When you analyze, when you go back, go and read that thing well. And, and the Holy Spirit will, will show you certain deep things. Don't joke with this devil. Oh. He's a very smart guy. You don't joke with him. You realize that with Eve, he hit on things like offense. Why am I saying that? He came and told Eve that, do you know that this God that comes around every day in the cool of the day to come and chat with you. There's some secret he's not showing you. There's this tree and this tree that he said you shouldn't eat. It is because he doesn't want you to come to his level. He doesn't want you to become like him. So I'm sure even a man, uh, yeah. so you've been coming, you've been coming to chat with us. There is this thing that is good and you don't want to share it with us. Ignited some offense there ignited some comparison there. When it comes to seeing the beauty in fruits and vegetables, it is an anointing the women have. You see, sometimes when a woman goes to the market, this is banana, this is banana, like, take one and let us go. No, 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 this one is nicer than this one, and this and this and that. that, that, that. It's an anointing the women have that the men don't have. Sometimes my wife can say, hey, this plantain is yeah, nice. Pow. I'm like, plantain is plantain. For me, the niceness is how it tastes in my mouth and when it enters my stomach. Finish. This one is nicer than this one. So this and that, that, that. They'll bargain and bargain and bargain. But in fact, the bargaining, we like it, especially at this time. Don't accept anything anybody gives you. Hallelujah. Yeah. I remember when I was small, our next door neighbor, my mother's friend, she came to the house. She brought some yam and the way she was glorifying the yam. That was she went to her and she saw this very nice yam. So she, she bought extra to come and give to my mother. And she told her, hey, the yam is nice. Oh. And I'm looking at this thing that is covered in soil. It is dirty. It is amorphous. It's, 
But I was saying yam is nice. How can yam be nice? Isn't that came out of the earth and is dirty like that? You say the yam is nice. So you see, Eve, when she saw the fruit, they said, she said, well, she realized that it was good to eat. Adam wouldn't have noticed that, de- that detail. He wouldn't have noticed that detail. So he realized that the things the devil hit on with a woman were different. When she went to, he went to Jesus. All the three temptations, you realize one thing inside. Ego. He was trying to play on this ego. If you are anointed, do make we see. Turn the, the, the bread, the, the, the stone into bread. Look at all the, the, the just bow down. I'll give it to you. Just power. Ego. So you realize that it, it, it was a different thing altogether. But you see, if the devil were to be wise, he wouldn't have gone to try to tempt Jesus Christ with turning a stone into bread. This is somebody, you are telling him these are rocks, turn the rocks into bread. This is somebody, he is the rock of ages. At the same time, he is the bread of life. That means when it comes to transmogrifying between a rock and bread, he lifts it. And you are coming to tempt him with this and that change this rock into bread and it will prove that you are the son of God. No, no, no. He lives it. This test was like giving a PhD student a class one exam. So the devil failed in that one. So the way the devil tempts men is different from the way he tempts women. Hallelujah. And so today we are going to look at some of the temptations of the woman. And this one is therapy. So when you see yourself in it, just accept the word like that. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. I know I'll get a lot of the amens from the male side but next week it shall be your turn and I expect you to be saying amen when I mention the the things to that next week no next week is not children's day we will talk about the men <laughs> hallelujah so I have some things I've noted here I think there are about five or six or so of them Let's see how time will prepare, permit us to go through all of them. Number one, number one temptation of the woman is the temptation to compare. It's the temptation to compare. You know, that is not as much a temptation for men as it is of women. And I'll show you some of the results of, 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 of comparing some of the things that are born out of comparing. You see, when a man is comparing himself to somebody else, most of the time, the end result is motivation. See somebody, Charlie, the ride, no Charlie, I for work hard, you know, me too, I must get there. But unfortunately, most of the time, when women compare, it leads to them feeling inferior and feeling inadequate. Hallelujah. And that is a temptation you must resist with your, all of your might. <laughs> Look, if you want to be happy in life, stop looking at other people's strengths and concentrate on your own strength. He gave everybody something. You are just not looking at yours. 
You are not paying attention to yours. You are looking at other people's strengths. Oh, women will compare a lot of things. You compare heights, their heights. Compare skin color. The length of your the eyelashes. Sizes of certain parts of their bodies. Pardon? Certain parts of their body, though. Like the spectacles. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and the end result of the comparison is that you will focus on, on what you don't have and you start feeling inferior it gives opens the door for things like depression suicidal tendencies feeling rejected feeling inadequate if you are here like that may the Lord deliver you in the name of Jesus Look, do, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? God himself took time and molded you. Decided that the color you have is the best color for you. Those of you who are doing color maintenance. Mm. Nowadays they call it maintenance. Actually, we are maintaining. <laughs> we are maintaining the color. As I said, there's no standard for beauty. There's no standard for beauty. What you find beautiful, somebody else finds ugly. There are things people have that they see as defects that other people will go and actually have it done for them surgically. Pastor Gideon, you are a dental surgeon. Don't people want gap a gap in the tooth? Others are going for the dentist to fix it, to close it. Others are coming and say, create it small. I met a certain lady who has some, she was like, no, no, no. Listen, said, do I know a dentist? She wants to close it. And I was like, ah, but this thing, there are people who are going for dentist. She said, no, hers is like motorways. Why? Say, hey. I saw a documentary and now they can create dimples. Yeah. Or do some and then they'll put something inside the tick and then pull it in some way so it will create the whole it's like that dimples. So, because of comparison, plastic surgeons are making a lot of money. I had one of these broadcasters talking recently, and she bashed the whole body enhancement thing. I'm like, people will reply here very soon. Nowadays, that's what everybody just takes their phone and you know, and, and all of that. I mean, if you do it and it is not because of inferiority complex, it is, it is okay, it's fine. Just make sure you go to the right person to do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. A qualified person to do it. So, that tendency to compare, tendency to compare their fiancé to another person's fiancé. to compare what this person's beloved did on Valentine's Day and 
what mine failed to do. If you compare, you will never be happy. You will never be happy. There's an interesting scripture in Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. Give me NLT of that one. Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. You have to concentrate on your own work. Sometimes you are, you are looking at others too much. NLT. It says pay careful attention to your own work. So if it is your body, pay careful attention to your own body. If it is what you, your marriage, pay careful attention to your own marriage. Stop comparing yours to another person. There are no two marriages that can be the same. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. When you concentrate on your own, you have satisfaction. There are a lot of people who are not satisfied in life and it's simply because they are looking at other people. He said, you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Tell somebody, pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to yourself. Stop comparing yourself to people. We think peer pressure is only teenage years. In fact, when you, you, you enter adulthood, it's worse. It's worse. Especially if you are single and people are flaunting their relationships on social media. And some people can do it and you will feel like, Charlie, you dear, when they call, you are not among you. <laughs> God gave everybody something. Hallelujah. I pray that God will, will change the way you see yourself. May, may the Holy Spirit give you the, the, the right image of, of yourself that God had in his mind when he was creating you. Many of you haven't found that yet. That is why you feel inferior. God will not create anything that is inferior. I mean, can, can you imagine? Even Mercedes-Benz. They believe nothing they, they manufacture is of low quality. How much more the king of kings and the lord of lords himself. He will not take his time to mold anything and create anything that is inferior. It is up to you to catch a revelation of what he saw when he created you. And you need to go to him for that revelation. Hallelujah. Start concentrating on your strengths. As you are looking at somebody and admiring and feeling inferior, somebody too is looking at you and admiring what you have. You are feeling inferior because of somebody's plenty degrees. That person too is looking at you and how easily your hair grows. You don't have to struggle. You cut the hair no. Some people, when they cut their hair, I have to fast them pray. Oh, Lord, please. <laughs> Lord, please. <laughs> Let the hair grow. <laughs> Some of you, as you are cutting, it is growing. Somebody is looking at something you have. Oh, I'm telling you. Somebody is looking at what you have. So be content. Hallelujah. Be content. People start being unhappy in their relationships and in their marriages when they start comparing. They start comparing. 
And this person's husband is this. He does this and he carries her. Maybe you are taller and bigger than your husband. If he tries to do that, it will be a problem. <laughs> it will be a problem. People will compare their husbands to their fathers. They will compare their husbands to their brothers. Compare their husbands to their exes. Mm. And if it had been so, so, and so by now. There is a reason why that one didn't work. Have you forgotten about it? There's a reason. Stop comparing. There's nothing wrong with admiring something you see in somebody that you like. It's a way of appreciating God's creativity. Yeah. But don't let it make you feel inferior. Because you too, you have something somebody is looking at. Look, if you want to be happy in your marriage, eh, stop. the truth is that you will never know what really is the case in another marriage. You, you will never know. You will never know. The same way that the DP you choose to use for your social media handles is the best one. In fact, if you judge people by their DPs, when you see them in person, you may be disappointed. Because they'll look through the pictures, the one that caught their photogenic anointing. That's the one they'll place there. Don't place the one that they were eating and their mouth was looking. No, 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 no. They'll not place that one there. In the same way, nobody will wash their dirty linen in public. What you see is what... They want you to see. Hallelujah. I've said this and I'll say it again. The difference between a happy couple and an unhappy couple is not the fact that the happy couple doesn't have any issues. They do have issues. The reason they're happy is that they are concentrating on the positives while they trust God for the negatives. While the unhappy couple is concentrating fully on the negatives and not remembering the positives. That is the difference. Nowhere cool. Tell somebody nowhere cool. Uh, everywhere there's something that is being dealt with. Ah, marriage, you can never be 100% prepared for marriage. Or 100% prepared to enter a relationship. Me, I, nowadays I do post-marital counseling too. Six months after marriage. So that the one we do before is like vaccination. We are vaccinating against what you don't know. Now come for therapy itself. When you have entered it, now we can do targeted therapy. Hallelujah. Now you can be 100% prepared. And you won't get all that you want in one person. One of my daughters came to me someone and she was like, there are like three guys. I wish I could combine all the three of them into one person. I said, it's not possible. So pray and let the Spirit of God direct you you want to combine them father son holy spirit my own trinity <laughs> my personal trinity da, 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 da. it's not it's not everything i am that my wife likes there will definitely be certain things that other people will have I Me, mean, for example, I, I know my wife admires beard. 
beard guy. She likes it. I was like, oh, she likes it. I, said, I don't know whether she's grown out of it, but <laughs> I know. But I don't have the genes for that kind of thing. Hallelujah. But I know she still knows that I am a fine man. The truth is that <laughs> for me, eh, the only one whose opinion matters to me as far as my looks is concerned is that woman, my wife. She's the only whatever you think of me, I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. Ah, just last week, this is it. Came from we're, we're talking. As as like, she said, Hey, fine man. I said, ah, yeah. <laughs> that is all that matters to me. Oh. What you think? I don't care about that one. Ah, when it comes from that angle, yes, man. <laughs> So you will not have everything in one person. You don't have everything in one person. When you see the other things that you wish were in the other person, you just glorify God. Thank God. Say God did to you, you can do things so and move on. Stop dwelling on it and wishing. Hallelujah. So the, the temptation to compare. Number two is the temptation to seek attention from the wrong sources. Mm. Look at Eve in the garden. Adam was out. Going to name the animals. You, you are called goat. You, you are called sheep. You, you are called like he was busy. God had given him an assignment. So he was doing it. And women like attention. That one is a fundamental thing. Women like attention. They want to chat. They want to converse. Most of the time, if under any circumstances I'm late to anything, it's because my wife was chatting with me. (laughs) My wife, she can talk. It gets to a time when it's like when they are talking, like you listen. Mm, mm. <laughs> Recently, the mm, mm, just two days ago, she did something to me. I was talking, talking like the thing was up. My heart just said, mm, mm, mm. It's okay. We shall take it like that. Me too, I'll get you. <laughs> but women like attention, women like to converse. They like to converse. So you, Eve, the Bible has stated clearly that the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals. That means its reputation was known. Why would you entertain this cunning creature in your home? Why would you entertain him around you? Why would you even have a conversation with him? Why would you even talk deep things about what God has told you to this guy whose reputation is clearly known? Hmm. some of you you like attention from the wrong sources you know that this is dangerous you you can see fire and this i'm not only talking to single people married people you to listen Hmm. there may be somebody at your workplace who seems like bestie 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 this bestie 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 things and i feel like i can talk to him like 
Like we, we flow, we flow. He, he understands me. It's like, so when, when I joke, he gets it. You know, he, he gets my sense of humor. We click. And so things you are supposed to be telling that one, that person you are supposed to be getting married to, or the one you are married to, you go in this bestie. Attention from the wrong sources. Whenever there's a problem between you and your fiancé, your problem, a problem between you and your husband, there's this one particular person. The tendency to take the phone and text. Hi, are you there? It's not every kind of attention that is positive attention. Don't, don't, don't joke with fire. Don't play with certain things. You know, we click, we click. It's like we are soulmates. <laughs> we understand each other. Like There's this telepathic understanding. Attention from wrong sources. That is how Christian ladies full of the Holy Ghost who speak in tongues. You see the one they are dying for and you wonder whether Christ died for them. Punchline. It's a bar. It's a bar. Punchline. <laughs> oh yeah. You wonder. And their heart is aching. Their heart is bleeding. And this person that you are wishing to give you attention is giving many women attention. If you are going out with somebody that if you see him walking with another female, you are uncomfortable. You are in the wrong place. I'm telling you. You should be confident enough when your man is walking with another woman and you know that Wait here, it's just a walk. You must be careful where you get the attention from. Those times when you are sad, but you don't know why you are sad. When your hormones are just misbehaving and down. That is when the devil brings those people. And some of them too, they are bad. They are very, very bad. They know the right things to say. Some of them, they just come to come and confuse you. That is their aim. It's just to come and confuse you. Play with your mind, play with your heart, and leave you hanging dry. Yeah. So you need to be careful. Don't have this strange man somewhere, strange boy somewhere, that you 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 pour out your heart to can open up to it's not good when you talk about infidelity it's not only physical infidelity there's emotional infidelity as well yeah so some people can be there and their heart is with somebody else it's like you're just there but the heart is with somebody else that is emotional infidelity and these things come as a result of wrong associations, wrong conversations. 
talking about things you don't have any business talking to somebody like that about. Especially when they are unbelievers. You must watch it. If there's some unbeliever somewhere that you feel too free around as a woman, married or married, watch it again. Take a second look. Take a second look. So that is number two. The temptation to seek attention from wrong sources. Number three. The temptation to be offended, bitter and unforgiving. That is a tendency for women. It's easier for men to let things go. I mean, I've settled many disputes in my life. The easiest were the ones involving guys. Oh, the guys who initially can look like wow, blah, blah, blah. when we sit down, no, when you make this one see that okay, so this one's in Charlie, bro, this one's in Hong and it is ended. It is ended. You know, in medicine, there's something called a relapse with a woman, and when you are done, you hope and pray that there won't be a relapse. <laughs> you hope and pray. No, it will look like it's fine, all right. It's, it's, uh, but you can't be sure. With the guys, you are sure it has ended. Like, Asa, we are done. But with the woman, hey. It is still there. Oh. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there. Something small. And it gives, it gives birth to the desire for revenge. When a woman wants to revenge on you, you better go and hide behind God himself. <laughs> revenge. In the Bible, you saw what Sarah, Sarah did to Hagar. When Hagar started, she showed her, I'll show you that I'm the, I'm the missus. I am the boss. I was here before you came. I will send you and your son away. At least you respect that. Oh, like she should have mercy on the son too small. No, 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 no. A woman that wants revenge is dangerous. But you see, the Bible says vengeance is mine. Give, ask for the vengeance, leave it for me. The moment you take the vengeance for yourself, then be prepared to take every other thing into your own hands and handle your life. The one that God says, give it to me, that one is mine. It's my job. You are saying, no, God, I will revenge myself. So once you have taken that out of his hands, then every other thing too, how you breathe to take it into your own hands. How you wake up in the morning, take it into your own hands. He says, the vengeance is mine. Hallelujah. Leave it for him. Leave it for him. One of the easy ways to forgive is for you to be conscious of the fact that you yourself, you have issues. And you are not perfect. And you have stepped on people's toes before. When that mentality is in you, eh, it's easy for you to forgive. Because behind unforgiveness is also the spirit of pride. Like, ah, me, me, pa, she did this. Like me, a whole me. She could actually look at me, but who are you? <laughs> Even Jesus, God himself, they did things to him. They did offensive things to him. Who are you? He was a man without sin, but you, you can't say the same for yourself. You can't say the same for yourself. So learn to forgive, ladies. Learn to let things go. When you say it is it's finished, it is finished, let it be finished. Let it be finished. But most of the time, the reason for the relapse is that you settle the matter all right. 
But then when they go back, they go to have conversations with the devil again. The devil begins to give other meanings, other interpretations. Some of you can see it's like I'm dialing your number. Listen, in fact, pick up the phone as I'm dialing your number. It's like you, you have a different meaning to the thing. You, you, it's like the devil gives you a new revelation of that thing that the person did. So it's like the wound now becomes fresh. And you are there. Even though elders and people have come to settle the matter, you're going to have a conversation with the devil again. It's like a wound. And then you take a knife and then pierce it a little. And you are hurt again. So even though you shook hands and you gave a half Pentecostal hug after the matter was settled, now you see the person and it's like your heart is boiling. Avoid those conversations with the devil. You see, when the devil is conversing with you, eh, it will seem as if you are just thinking. But it's a conversation you are having with the devil. And many people have conversations with the devil continually. When you are alone, Sitting in your room, when you're alone, cutting tomatoes, when you're alone, washing, the devil can come and whisper things into your ears. And you need to block those things. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says, casting down imaginations. Casting down is an aggressive thing. You don't allow the devil to, 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 to cause you to meditate on certain things to certain levels. Because what you're doing is that you're, you're actually breeding hatred. And Jesus equates hatred to murder. He says, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. So you don't need to take a knife and stab somebody to be a murderer. All you have to do is to hate the person. And that is what the devil comes to let you do. He, he, he paints another picture of the whole thing. It may be your husband, it may be your friend, it may be your brother, whatever. He comes to speak to you again. But that is when you must show that you're a child of God and rebuke the devil. Let him go. Hallelujah. So to forgive, you must bear in mind the fact that you too, you have issues. And you also need forgiveness. When Jesus was teaching us to pray, so what? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You, you want to be forgiven, but you don't want to forgive somebody else. The Bible even says that if you are offended with your spouse, your prayers are useless. That's what the Bible says. You're offended with your spouse. Don't forget about going to and I bind and I lose. The devil will look at you. Look at this joker. So learn to forgive. Tell the next person, learn to forgive. Tell another person, learn to forgive. Learn to let things go. Because vengeance is for the Lord. Hallelujah. That is number three. Number four, the temptation to subject others to emotional bullying. You see, when it comes to males, the bullying is physical. But when it comes to females, it is emotional. Emotional bullying is more dangerous. It's more dangerous. There are people who literally want to commit suicide because they are being bullied emotionally by their fellow females. 
uh, somebody who is in some postgraduate class somewhere. So most of the people are like, there was something she was saying, some. And one of the ladies was like, keep quiet, you go and look for a man to marry you. Such a thing. Eh? It's worse than being slapped. Mm. And I'm saying when it comes to women, the bullying is emotional. Women will not bully physically. No, no, no. It's emotional bullying. They're going to go and look for a man to marry you. They can taunt you with what hurts the most. You know that this thing, if I see it, a bit Emotional bullying. Let me give you an example of emotional bullying. First Samuel, chapter one. Let's re- read from verse, verse one. First Samuel. He said there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zoph, in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeruham. Jer- son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth and Ephraim. Verse 2. It says, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Verse 3. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. Verse 4. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. Verse 5. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. If I had my own, we are had yet. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Emotional bullying. It's a year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. I can imagine the things she's saying. Hey. Some people there, we don't know what is in their womb. But that is stone, so. But some of us, God has blessed us. <laughs> Emotional violence. <laughs> so, as God has blessed us, yeah. how nice it is to breastfeed a baby. Oh my God. <laughs> when you know your rival is sitting there and she hasn't had a child. Emotional blackmail. Sorry, emotional bullying. But you see, God will always have the last laugh. God will always have the last laugh. I don't know what it is people have taunted you about, directly or indirectly, but God is about to do something. You see, when, when, when I speak these words of prophecy, take it serious. Since our visitation on Friday, I felt this anointing for prophetic utterance. On Friday, there was a reason why I let the communion continue with the worship. I didn't want to start pitting, start things. It would have become a half night. I just wanted things to, you know, finish quickly. So if at any point in time I switch into some mode and I start making declare, just, just connect with it. Hallelujah. Just connect with it. 
He said, year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. So people are having anorexia nervosa, bulimia. They will eat and induce vomiting because they are depressed. Taunting. People will taunt you with their relationship. Pass funny comments. But look at what happened. Verse 8. He said, so this was Elkanah, Hannah's husband. I wish all husbands would be like that. He said, why are you crying? Elkanah will ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? And the last one is what I like. He said, you have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? It's a good place to say, oh. <laughs> that is how husbands should be. But some husbands will be make it worse. There was a time when I was doing my housemanship, obstetrics and gynecology, we had a gynec clinic. A woman was being managed for infertility. And we had done all our tests, and there was nothing wrong. You know, her husband was one of those who was always, hey, this, that, that, talking, talking, and stuff like that. So we told her, bring your husband to. Bring your husband. Okay. And this man was abusive. Ah! So eventually, when the test and everything showed, he didn't know the interpretation of the test. He thought, oh, once something has been written there, then it means that everything is fine. So he came to sit in front of us. He was like, hey, come on, useless woman. All this thing, you can't do anything with it. I told him that, no, there's a problem. Before he kept quiet. That now let us work together and solve the problem. So under such circumstances, the men too must be supportive. Hallelujah. You see, children are a gift from God. And most of the time, God, you see, God's gifts are perfect. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. That means perfect timing, perfect everything. You think you need it now, but it's not the perfect time. The perfect time will be when you are financially sound, when you are emotionally sound, when your relationship is even stronger. That is the perfect time of God. So be, be, be patient. Hallelujah. God works on mathematics and things that we can never understand. There are algorithms that must, things that must match. Certain things must coincide with certain things. They said Elizabeth was barren, but it wasn't barrenness. It was divine timing. There was a time John the Baptist had to be born. Divine timing. Don't, 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 don't let what is going on around you, what is going on in somebody's life. You see, that's why the, the Bible likens this work with God as a race. And this race, you are not racing against anybody the, the aim of the race is that you end. That is it. Get to the finish line. It's not about who gets there first. The aim of the race is that you will breast the tip and finish it. Some people will finish in 10 seconds. Others will finish in 15 seconds. But the most important thing is that at the end of the day, we will all get there. That is the nature of the race. When Noah's ark was open, they said every single animal went inside. That means the lion was there. 
It means the first animals like the cheetah and the hare and the rabbit and those, they were all there. And the tortoise too was there. They must have made a certain journey from somewhere to get to the ark. While the cheetah sprinted and bam, he was in the ark. He said, wait for me, I'm coming. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Eventually they were all in the ark and the ark was shut. Hallelujah. Maybe yours is a, a, a tortoise anointing, but you will still reach the end. Hallelujah. What you are expecting will come to pass. It will come to pass. Verse 9. He said, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Instead of complaining and worrying and comparing yourself to people, go on your knees and speak to your God. Speak to God. Speak to God. Talk to him. He's the only one who understands your situation. The truth. That is the truth. Nobody can feel what you are feeling. Not even me, your pastor. I can't feel what you are feeling. I can empathize with you to a point. But you are the one going through the thing. And the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. I can't be more fervent in prayer about your situation than you yourself. Talk to your God. Go to the negotiating table with God. And that is what Hannah did. He said, Eli the priest was sitting at the customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. Verse 11. And she made this vow. So now she switched from crying into negotiation mode. He said, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Verse 12. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched. Verse 13. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. See, sometimes when you are praying a lot and blah, blah, there's something and because of that, you have become very spiritual and people don't understand. They're like, oh, what is all this praying? Blah, 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 blah. He said, oh, no, sir. She replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I'm very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. When you are discouraged, pour out your heart to the Lord. Speak to God. Talk to him. Verse 16. Don't think I'm a wicked woman. For I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Verse 17. In that case, Eli said, You see, you don't joke with the words of a man of God. Even if he's in retirement, like Eli. Because his sons are taking over. That means he was getting old and retiring. Just look at the, the, the statement he said. He said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. And the verse 18, he said, Oh, thank you, sir. She exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. There's a place you get to, something just breaks in your spirit and you know that it is done. In this particular case, that was triggered by a word that a man of God spoke. And today, as a priest of this house, I make this declaration upon your life. 
whatever it is that you are believing God for, whatever it is that you are trusting God for, Livre Seberia Nolomo Shadakatarabahaba and thus saith the Lord by the decree of the heavenly council, it is approved, it is signed, it is stamped, it is sealed, it is about to be delivered, and it is done in Jesus' name. of weeping are over the days of agonizing are over something major just turned around in somebody's life something major a long standing thing it just turned around in somebody's life thank you Holy Spirit thank you Holy Spirit it is signed it is stamped it is sealed it will be delivered and it is done Point number six. And that is the last one. Is the temptation to be overly emotional and overly illogical? I'll explain. When it comes to the men, it's the opposite. So I'm giving one of the things I'll talk about where the men are concerned. For men, the problem is to be overly logical and overly not emotional. But for the woman, it's the opposite. To be overly emotional and overly illogical. The truth is that women are more emotional than logical. They react to things with emotions more than logic. But sometimes I want to create some problems. It creates some issues. And it manifests in various ways. One of them is unnecessary worry and anxiety. Oh, women can worry you. Ah, women can worry. <laughs> it's because of the tendency to be overly emotional. You see, there are times you need to pause and ponder. You need to pause and analyze the thing. This one, mind level. And you may even realize the thing is not as bad as it looks. You realize that there is a way. There is a way of handling it. But you see, when emotion, hey God, what are we going to do? And this is that's what this is the end. I told you. I told. <laughs> it's the tendency to be overly emotional. There are times that you need to give room for some logic. Hallelujah. Give room for some logic. And this this tendency to be overly emotional also gives room for, for, for pettiness for you to be petty and when you are being petty you are, what, what actually you are doing is that you are focusing on the unimportant things while the big things are there focusing on the unimportant things the little 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 things 
while the important things are there. Maybe I should have brought a jar to, 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 to give you a demonstration of this. If you have a jar and you have table tennis balls, those are the big things, the important things. And you have sand. If you decide to pour the sand in first, which are the unimportant things, by the time you finish with the sand, you may not be able to put the table tennis balls inside the jar. On the other hand, if you put the table tennis balls inside and you decide to pour the sand, you see that the sand will find its way into the spaces like that. There's an order in which you do things. Deal with the important things first. Don't let your life be dominated by the small, small, unimportant things. Otherwise, there will be no room to deal with the big, important things. Hallelujah. Yeah. So this tendency to be overly emotional, overly emotional, it causes pettiness, it causes unnecessary worry and anxiety. And then, because of this, women tend to draw links between things that are not linked. Should I say it again? <laughs> you draw links between things that are not linked. And it's all because of the tendency to be more emotional than logical. The opposite is also a problem. And I'll talk about that when it gets to the main. So they'll draw links. Where there are no links. Because women react more emotionally. When a woman says, yes, it is fine. You can't be sure. Because a man will be perceiving it from the point of logic. It means it is fine. But she, she's speaking with emotions and a mixture of small logic and plenty emotions. And so that it is fine. No? It is not that it is fine that you are perceiving. It's not that it is fine that you know. How many can relate to what I'm saying? <laughs> it's fine. It's, oh, it's okay. It's okay. But if... if, if it's fine, it's fine, you're okay. Eh? Oh, so I can go. <laughs> oh, I'll be fine, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Go and see. <laughs> so don't worry, I'll, I'll pick a car. I'll pick a car. <laughs> I'll pick a car. It's because the woman is talking with her emotions, so. So you that you are perceiving it logically, that's why it's important for men to, to come out of the logic small so that we can meet each other halfway. You understand? Mm. Because the truth is that the person saying it's fine, now she probably is not sure what she wants. But she expects you to do the right thing. <laughs> yes, what is the right thing? You yourself, you can't define what the right thing is. Define what the right thing is, but the person is supposed to perceive it and know that this is the right thing. And warn to you if you don't do the right thing. That is when you will see a woman whose face has come. You have some face, Bill. When it comes like that, everybody is in trouble. <laughs> everybody is in trouble. So you draw links and things. And and this thing, eh? It didn't start now. There's 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 some in the Bible. I'll show you. I'll show you. Long ago, 
that is like, oh, this thing, oh, you let's do it this way. But if one to you, if it backfires, you let me show you something. Genesis chapter 16. We'll read from verse 4 to verse 6. Give me NLT so that we understand it well. Uh-huh. So Abraham, who, who was the one who suggested that Abraham should be with Hagar so that they have a child? I want to be sure you know the story. It was Sarah, right? Mama Sarah. Mama Sarah. All right. So I'm sure when you say, Abraham, you say, oh, yeah, you go ahead. I'm sure Abraham would have said, are you sure? He said, oh, yeah. It's the right thing to do because it will wipe away my shame. She gave a logical reason <laughs> why it should be so and everything and convinced Papa Abi. He says, so Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. You see, emotional bullying again. And let's see what happened. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. How is that possible? is that possible boys relax it is not a today thing it started a long time ago this was your idea for God's sake how is it his fault this is your fault this is your fault so there are times instead of reacting because this one is a clear emotional reaction there's no logic in this one there's no logic because it doesn't make logical sense you brought the idea so how can it be my fault this is an emotional reaction no zero logic there's zero logic in this one so I'm trying to show you that that is the temptation women face to approach things more emotionally than logically. Hallelujah. Hmm? He said, this is your fault. I said, when I saw it, I was like, hey, this Bible, eh? there's nothing in this one that you can't find in it. I said, this is your fault. It is your fault. <laughs> hmm. So I'm about to end. So, when you are more emotional than logical, I said you draw links between things that are not linked there was a time a long time ago at work one of the nurses came to pass in the department she came to pass and I think she forgot to greet others there are a lot of reasons why that could happen maybe that morning she had something on her mind or this one of them sitting close just like eh because she's bought a new bag she thinks the rest of us are not human beings look at that too because she has bought a new bag she thinks the rest of us what has you see where the thing came from no good morning has now been linked to the bag <laughs> meanwhile me I'm in the same department I don't, I don't even notice that she has bought a new bag 
because she has bought a new bag she thinks the rest of us are not human beings so because we are not human beings we don't deserve to be greeted that's why she passed by and this in her, she will keep it in her heart it will be in her spirit it will be in her soul and the devil too will fuel it and she will believe it that really that is the reason don't draw links between things that are not linked I beg you hallelujah don't draw links between things that are not linked because this thing that I just said it doesn't make logical sense or it makes sense to somebody the many reasons why she didn't greet the bag because that is the new thing of course what she has done is a new thing she didn't greet <laughs> it's a new thing so it has to be linked to the other new thing in her life which is the bag hallelujah so women your temptations are many but you are more than equipped to overcome hallelujah you see the Christian journey is a constant fight against natural tendencies it's a constant fight against natural tendencies the things that if you leave yourself you will do if you leave yourself you will insult everybody who crosses you on the road you tell everybody your peace of mind you <laughs> I'm trying to filter what I'm I'm about to say. I was telling some people that the reason why God put Adam to sleep when he was creating the woman was that if the guy had seen the formula for creating woman, by the time God would have turned, he would have made seven. Seven of them for himself. Different shapes and sizes and purposes (laughs) for himself. The work with God is a constant fight against your natural tendencies. So don't be like, that is how I am. No, that is not how you are. You can overcome it. The tendency to seek attention from the wrong sources, you can overcome it. The temptation to bully emotionally, you can overcome it. The temptation to walk in bitterness, offense, and unforgiveness, you can overcome it. The temptation to be overly emotional, you can overcome it. Nobody can be there and say, oh, that is my temperament. I am a melancholy. I am a choleric. I am a sanguine. I am a phlegmatic. With the phlegmatics, country broke or country no broke, we day inside. Everything is fine. Cholerics, we we want to achieve. And it doesn't matter whose toes you step, it matters whose toes you step on. Those toes you are stepping on right now, you step on it and you paralyze the foot. The next time that you need a person to get up and walk and lift you up, you would have paralyzed the toes, the, the, the foot, and it, it, it will not be possible for the person to help you. Oh, I'm a sanguine, so me, they, I don't read, like everything is surface. Everything is surface. I'm a sanguine, so you promise three people after church, I'll visit you at 3 p.m. <laughs> Are you God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? All of them 3 p.m. Like, how do you plan <laughs> to do that? That is a typical sanguine. When you are, when you are a friend with a sanguine, they'll make you you think you are their best friend. 
you will think they are your best, but they don't see you. There are many people that they are like, everybody, yeah, 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 that kind of people. Haven't you seen people like that before? Oh. There was a guy in class that said, when everybody mentioned your best friend, everybody was mentioning his name. They'll make everybody feel fine. Everybody will feel good. Deep inside, they know who their best friends are. Hallelujah. So all these tendencies can be overcome. That is why the word of God is there. It is a mirror. We must look at ourselves through the word of God every time. Correct the mistakes. Just like you stand in the mirror in the morning. You say, oh, this my beard is overgrown. Let me shave it a little. My hair is not combed well. Let me comb it well. That is what the word of God is supposed to do to us. When we see things in the word of God, we correct our lives. And the aim of every believer is that eventually we will become like Christ. We become like Christ. It is possible to be perfect. He said, be ye perfect as my father in heaven is perfect. Hallelujah. We have not seen anybody with that yet. I, I stand on that scripture that it is possible. God will not tell us be ye perfect if it is not possible. I believe it is possible to be there as a Christian and you don't have any sin to confess. It is possible. And I pray that we'll all aim at getting there. Where our lives are perfect before God. Where our relationships with people are what they're supposed to be. And also importantly, where we'll seek, we'll find and fulfill our God-given purpose. God bless you for listening. Next week we'll continue. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow! Someone overflow!